side note, Chris, did you get a haircut? Yes. It looks good. Thank you. I'm glad everyone can hear my haircut. <laughs> Very noticeable here. That's staying in the pod. <laughs> Welcome to John's Mostly Movie Podcast. Joining me today, I have Chris Barlow. Hello. Nick Edwards. Hello. And of course, putting it together, producer James. Ahoy. And I'm your host, John. We're going to be talking today, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, a month later. Going to be talking about the impacts of that, uh, seeing what we thought, how's it still holding up after a month. We're also going to talk about some news happening around the TV and movie world, and we're going to go into our latest obsession of TV, Yellow Jackets. But first, it is a new year, uh, not necessarily new me, same me, but new obsessions. Um, 2022 is going to bring us some new content to binge and watch. Do you all have anything in particular that you're looking forward to? Because I know for me, on a movie side, and it just got postponed, so I was a little disappointed about that. Uh, the movie The Black Phone, very ex- with Ethan Hawke, really excited about it. Like the take. If you haven't seen the trailer, essentially it is Ethan Hawke plays a sort of, I don't know if he is a magician or not, but he has kidnapped kids, and it seems like he has a history of kidnapping the kids and killing them. One kid in particular is held captive, and through a broken phone, in where he's being held captive, the spirits of kids from past are, from what it seems from the trailer, trying to help him escape. So I'm really excited about this. This is, of course, Bloomhouse, so duh. Um, Chris, is there any movie in particular you're excited about, or have you seen this trailer? Has anybody seen this trailer? Yeah. Yes. No. That would be memorable. I, I read the short <laughs> film it's based on. It's written by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son. Oh, shit. How was the, sh- how was the, the short? Really good. Okay, cool. Wow. No, I'm, I'm not looking forward to any movies at all. I looked. I looked. I Googled it. <laughs> and they're all terrible. You're all like, I'm just not going to have a good time this year. They're doing that gritty Buzz Lightyear reboot. Maybe, maybe mm. I'll see that. Damn it, that was my pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we've reached peak gritty reboot when we're rebooting Buzz Lightyear. That's true. This is fair. Well, Nick. It's not a reboot of Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> it's the character that the Buzz Lightyear action figure was based on. Who is real? In it's the, the in-universe origin story that we exactly. clearly asked for. Correct. I'm just going to keep calling it a gritty reboot. That's yeah. what Roger Ebert would want. Uh, Nick, do you got a movie? Yeah, uh, mine doesn't come out to fall, but I'm looking at looking up for uh, Knives Out 2. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to that. Fair. Yeah, fucking James in his Knives Out sweater. That's fair. You do have a very, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also supposed to, outside of Netflix, I think it's supposed to be hitting the festivals. So, fingers crossed, it's going to yeah. be hitting that Austin Film Fest, playing yeah. at probably the Paramount on Congress. Shout out to my Austinites who are listening to this. Austin Film Festival's in full. I don't know if it would play there before. Uh, it didn't say so. It didn't. I don't know if it gave the f- official release, but they did say it would hit the festival circuits. 
They, uh, they, they said it was being released in fall. Fall for it. I love Ryan Johnson, and uh, it's got Dave Batista and Catherine Hahn in it, so it should be pretty sweet. Yeah, Catherine uh, Catherine Hahn got uh, I feel like signed on just shortly after WandaVision, which for obvious reasons that was a good move on both parties. Yeah, I've liked her since Crossing Jordan. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw Crossing Jordan, to be honest with you. I knew it existed, but I never saw it. It's a um, police procedural drama-based, but we're following the lives of medical examiners. Ooh. All right. Uh, James, we unfortunately had a little bit of a spoiler to your answer, but you're looking forward to the gritty reboot, Buzz. I'm, I'm just so fascinated by what it's going to be uh like i i was nine years old when toy story came out it's uh i have a a pretty bad like memory of my child like not in that my childhood was bad but like my memory of my childhood is poor spotty i remember the day that we went to go see toy story because i was so excited to go see toy story and like now that computer animation has come as far as it has and uh thinking back to the last uh cg disney movie that i saw uh, the ryan the last dragon enjoyed that uh that was uh, a a movie uh if nothing else pretty to look at so excited for something like that but uh with buzz lightyear if you're interested to hear what we thought about ryan the last dragon back (laughs) at the episodes um I'm not sure if that's in our main feed. <laughs> yeah, that might be on the Patreon only feed. That may be on the Patreon Paywall. feed. Um, Actually, though. Was there... Okay, so, Chris, was there a TV show? For me, 2022, there is TV shows. First one being She-Hulk. I'm really excited to see where they go from it. They have not released, though, a set release date. Um, obviously, we just got the trailer for Moon Knight with Oscar Isaac. And, and Ethan Hawk, you're, you're on the Ethan Hawk kick. I know, no, and Ethan Hawk. Oh man, yo, handsome Hawk, hit me up. Everybody's in the MCU. Yeah, except yeah. for um, Martin Scorsese. He'll get there day. eventually. <laughs> yeah, one day. Guardians of the Galaxy Five, Goodfellas. Um, no, but I'm really excited to for She-Hulk primarily because of Tatiana Maslany. Maslani. Yeah, I love her work. So her and this with Mark Ruffalo as well, who's been confirmed to be in the series. I love both of them. And I'm interested, though, to see, because we already had the kind of previous generation of a superhero and the next generation in Hawkeye and that dynamic, which I know this is not going to be anything like that. Um, Well, I don't know for sure, but I would assume that they're not going to retell another mentor to mentee. um, Mentory? Spoiler uh, alert. Play. Yeah, but she's but prob- also, I know there's probably going to have to fight pers- Kingpin at the end of it. Probably. I mean, I'm excited to see if Daredevil shows up because she is in the New York law, like... She's a lawyer. Verse. She's a lawyer. Yeah. And uh, it would be nice to see, Dare- uh, to see Matt Murdock pop up. Yeah. Did you ever see Orphan Black with Tatiana Maslany? Yes. 
I have a hard time uh, imagining a show where there's only one of her. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember a specific point in that show after watching like a season and a half where one of the characters that she plays was not in an episode. And I found myself rationalizing, oh, the actress must have been tied up in something else. She's busy that week. Yeah, yeah. And then realized, oh, wait, no, that's right. Everyone in this show, except for like two characters, are one actress, and she's just so transformative. Yeah. Chris, uh, do you have a TV show you're excited for? (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah, a lot of TV I'm excited for. Um, I'm going to pick something that I I don't think will be good, but I'm very excited for it. (laughs) We love it. It is the gritty reboot of Law and Order, no subtitle, just Law and Order. It's back. What? Dun dun. After the Olympics, it's back. And it means that Thursday nights on NBC will be three straight hours of Law and Order, which honestly, I am here for. (laughs) Yeah. And that's SVU and organized crime? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, we got the Sam Waterston hour. Criminal intent. uh, (laughs) No, criminal intent. That's long gone. I'm so sorry. Wouldn't wouldn't Kingpin now? (laughs) Yeah, he's Kingpin now. He's moved on to a life of crime. It always (laughs) was fitting for his character. Uh, I mean, they they're welcome to bring Jeff Goldblum back any day. I was about to say, I uh, would watch that in a heartbeat. Remember when that was the big advertisement, and then he was there for like five episodes. Yeah, not even every week. They're like, he doesn't want to do it weekly. Can can we alternate? Uh, I remember that being the big advertisement, and I was so on board for it, but I didn't have cable, so. Mm. And, mm. Yeah. And now Just you don't have out. NBC. <laughs> now I don't. <laughs> now you don't have network. Nothing. Um, just out of curiosity, what else is on that list? Well, I'm really excited about uh, Severance, the new... Adam Scott show, that looks yeah. really good, and has I, th- I think already been renewed for a second season. Oh shit! Yeah, um, so that's a good sign. Is that Ben Stiller? Is he a producer on it? Okay, because I know he's been advertising it um, a bunch as well. For for those that couldn't uh, see, I was just nodding. Watched that trailer, I think, last night. I, I recall him being listed as a producer. Producer to it. Okay. Nick. He's also directing. Oh, he's oh. also directing. Okay. Nick, what will be popping up on your television? Ma'am, I'm watching about? Peacemaker right now, and that's all I can think okay. about. That okay. show is so good. <laughs> hey, it's, it's in 2022. You just get to, we're looking forward. You're in the now, enjoying it all. <laughs> And taking it in. Yeah, but uh, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of John Cena's character in Suicide Squad, but uh, this the show's making me like him quite a bit. I was a fan of the one-liners here and there he had, but does he... Okay, yeah. spoiler alert if you haven't seen Suicide Squad. Okay, here you go. Here's your chance. And we're back. Why you got to do my man Rick Flag like that? Oh, and... and that still hurts. I can't get over it. To be honest, it hurts John Cena, and, mm. and that makes his character very relatable to me. I like that. I do like that a lot. Oh, now you got the 
the butterflies of curiosity. Why do you speak <laughs> <of> butterflies? <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, well, say no more. Yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah. Uh. See, we're back to the transitions. <laughs> uh, Producer James, what do you got your eye uh, so I, I also have been watching Peacemaker and will we'll give my applaud to that. Uh, but the thing that I am most excited for in 2022 for television is Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Okay. Talk about uh, it. Star Trek, as uh, it exists on television for the last couple of years, has been a weird scattershot of different genres show to show. And, and different, like, stakes. Uh, so, like, right now, I think Chloe and my, uh, are our favorite Star Trek show is Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, an animated series. I was going to say, is that, that the animated one? Okay. Yes, that yes. is the only good one. It's, it's, I think, probably the only good one right now. Uh, <laughs> I last night watched uh, the second episode of the new season of Star Trek Discovery, and that has now become an exercise in pausing periodically and discussing what it is they're missing about what makes Star Trek good and enjoyable mm-hmm. and why every conversation between two characters on that show is the most heartfelt and most serious and most gut-wrenching and this could be the last time we talk and the stakes are always everything is the the universe could blow up uh, Strange New Worlds, the pitch is they, they're going to make a show like the Star Trek show from the 60s where every week they go to a new planet and they, they meet the people there and, and maybe they solve a problem and maybe there's a science thing they have to figure out. But it's not a, a 20-hour-long movie that is constantly uh, explosions and... and uh, ridiculous special effects that uh, are at times very pretty, but also playing to a plot that doesn't feel right in a lot of ways. And I'm excited to to have basics in a sense. Exactly. Excited to get back to the the old format of what Star Trek was for most of my life up until the last couple of years. Also like what technically made it what it is right now, like those originals having that much of an impact causing, you know, I mean, Star Trek became popular because it was syndicated, because it, it, they made a bunch of episodes, and those episodes you could watch one-off uh, without seeing anything else on the series, and it was enjoyable. And that was what had it grow the, the fan base that it did in the 70s that led to the revival and, and new series and movies. So uh, I, I'm excited to see something that actually maybe does that again. Discovery's actually a good show in the Mirror Universe. Oh, oh! You say that second season of the show, I think, was in the Mirror Universe, and I don't recall it being that great either. <laughs> I've watched all. I'm like I say, I'm up to the current season, but uh. the Mirror James, like you know, this gets good. He he doesn't have a beard. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna throw e- I'm gonna throw each of y'all on the spot real quick and ask a quick question. Okay, so let's pretend that it's December thirty first. 2022 we're looking back at all the tv and movies um if you had to guess and give a tofu rating between one to five of what 22 would be uh, 2022 would be what would be your tofu rating and just for comparison what was your tofu rating for 2021 i and if for me 2021 was a solid 
three. And the reason being is I enjoyed the movies we got with the HBO Max release, all of those. And that's weird to think like all of those were still Justice League was still last year. Um, I know, James, I had the same <laughs> thought in my head. Uh, what is the one that we all, the little things that we all loved? Uh, but then we got one of my most enjoyable experiences in a while in theaters, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, so that's why I would give it a solid three, because there was still a lot of not going to the theaters. There was still a lot of, did we need this film? I understand that they just needed to make money. Um, but that would have been mine for 2021. So with you all, what would that be? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And what do you think 2022 is going to be? 2022, I'm going to do just a slight bump of three and a half tofus. I don't think we're going to hit that four tofu rating just yet. I think we would need multiple Spider-Man No Way Home type films, so MCU. But I think something else outside of the MCU needs to hit hard at the theaters uh, the same way. And I think that's what we'll get in 2023. Um, 2022, I think we're just going to have a little more probably more theater openings like once I'm hoping you know pending how the world continues to burn but I don't know if the movies that are opening in those theaters are gonna you know be to the quality that they could have been last year okay okay I'm thinking about TV mostly and I feel like 2021 was a a, a good year for TV it was a four I'm gonna say a four 2021 was a four. Yeah, Succession. It was a really good year for HBO. Succession, Mayor of Easttown, uh, Hacks was... Hacks was fantastic. Way back at the beginning of the year. Um, Really, really good year for HBO. Uh, They get a five. They get a five, even with the bad movies. No, see, they give a four and a half because all the amazing content they have, and yet they still have that application that, you know, is basically... Just shy of being Netflix of, oh, we know what movie you're talking about. We don't have it. <laughs> yeah, and they do lose the Harry Potter movies like every other month. They, they, they have the most revolving door catalog. Uh, but, but 2022, it's, it, it's not going to be as good. That's my guess. Three and a half, maybe. Three and a half. Uh, versus four. I hope it's another solid year, but I feel like we really got a lot of great new shows last year. Yellow Jackets uh, among them. Uh, and, I forgot and, Mayor of Easttown was 2021. I know, right? Mayor. Mayor. Fuck. And that one was... Yeah. So, uh, high bar. Right. And she's not the mayor of that town. No. Correct. She's the mayor, mayor actually of that town. M-A-R-E. But she would pronounce mayor, mayor. mayor. That, that is the accent. Yeah. Now, is the mayor of Kingstown yes, then the actual the, right, mayor? That's a horse. The, yes. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what, what's your prediction? TV or movie? Because that's fair. Because at this point, they are their own entity. So you could pick one. Yeah. Well, I mean, now that Mission Impossible is pushed back, everything's going to be on comparison. <laughs> that's just it. Yeah. Uh, no, man. Fucking movie and TV is great. Last year sucked. It's, it gets one tofu in general. But as far as movies and TVs go... It's like four or five, man. And I think it's just going to yeah. keep getting better. Just more and more. We're in the golden age of TV right now. So 
I mean, I love the trend of originals that we're getting and originals where they're just kind of one season. The people, the creators want to come in, tell their story and get out. And I think they're learning their lessons from that could be from a Game of Thrones, what we've seen um, to the only show in history that's gone too long. Well, not even that it's gone. I see. It's just that it you can't argue that it gave up it's like the writing at the end was just so lazy and so just not thought out because even i would say arguing the first episode was so so but like the episode right before the long night that was a great episode when they're all that was a really good episode and that's why it gave me hope and that's why the next couple episodes was just like what the fuck because even visually the long night was great from a visual standpoint the long night like you can't take away what they did with that, even if your television couldn't see it and you had to put your brightness up all the way. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I do. I, I agree with you, man. We're in a golden age of television where so many great originals are just coming up. Uh, Producer James, how you feeling? I think I am similarly. Uh, is it is it bullish? Yes. Uh, like. I am positive. I, I like the trend uh, of good television we're getting. The the number of uh, either short series or, or short seasons of things that popped up in 2021 that I wasn't expecting that I ended up being delighted by. Uh, in addition to me being a big fucking nerd and Marvel putting out a bunch of TV shows on top of the movies they're putting out, like, uh, this is... And those being great. An exciting time to, to be alive. I'm I'm excited to see what Moonlight uh, ends up doing and seeing if that ends up tying into some other stuff. And well, he's probably gonna like, beat up a werewolf in a bathroom. <laughs> we can hope. Uh, we can only hope. Um, actually, James, uh, the trailer. for the news, he had long trailer. legs. Was he a werewolf? Like recognizably a werewolf? Yeah. So my buddy was like, "Is that?" Werewolf by Night, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And like, he made us rewatch it, and like, it's got long, hairy legs, and like, we have hairy like, wolf face. It's like, hmm. I just fought a werewolf in Witcher Three, and I'm just gonna tell you that it matches that description to a T. <laughs> um, James, what I was gonna say for how do you feel about this for the news transition? Do you remember in Fallout Three, the radio disc jockey? three dog i do and he has that little news time children <laughs> yeah so i can clip that yeah news time children um okay gonna talk about i'm gonna throw you guys uh, some news around we can just talk about it a little bit first one coming up is so there's an article that came out saying pixar's feeling some little morale because once again, they have a film that was set to release in theaters. Originally had Turning Red releasing in theaters, but now it is going to be going straight to Disney Plus again. Which, what's interesting is the first time this happened, it was a huge hit and it brought in a shit ton of Disney Plus subscribers. Now, not so much. It is not as fun for them. And they said that they're feeling low with the morale because the first movie they did that with, Soul, I know crazy I, I that feels like ages ago but 
They released Soul on Disney Plus. We were all excited because now we can watch Soul and not get COVID. And, you know, we'll just take this for the next two weeks because then we'll be okay. Yeah. Um, thoughts on this? Should they be sad? And is this kind of where we're going with animated movies? Do you think we're going to see animated movies releasing in theaters more often? Because typically with animated movies, you do have a bigger pool into the money because you have families going, um, children, all that. But at the same time, given, you know, the day and age we're in, that could be very difficult. Uh, what do you foresee? And do you have any interest in watching Turning Red? I mean, honestly, I'm more likely to watch it now that it's just going to be on Disney Plus, but I'm not the target audience. I, I You know, it's not to you know sound like the last two years on repeat but this is because of the pandemic right you know i feel bad for the the people at pixar who are now three in a row going straight to streaming but there i think the choice at disney was delay it or uh just put it on streaming and if they delayed it it would bump up against other releases like gritty buzz lightyear 2.0 so and you can't have that and, and that's absolutely gonna go to the theaters if they can right. do it uh, so I think this was just a matter of we we aren't going to move it, and we're not. It's going to be look worse if it just tanks at the box office because people aren't comfortable taking their unvaccinated kids to see a kids movie. Uh, yeah. People took unvaccinated kids to go watch Spider Man. Well, that's a different movie because the parents also wanted to see that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, to be fair, with the gritty reboot buzz, uh, it's. That's, That's also one right where I think there, Ali. Yeah, parents, the parents are going to want to see it. Yeah. I would want to go see it. That's all of our, just like with Toy Story 3, um, yeah. kind of releasing at a time where majority of the audience that watched and was the age of Andy in Toy Story 1 is in that college range. And so it all was just like, you know, a punch in the gut. It's a space ranger. Hoping... Do they exist in the universe? Does that buzz meet aliens? Why is it a movie based on the fictional person the toy is based on? Oh, my God. It's... Yep. So you, many questions. You asked for it. That, that's... No one asked for it. This is what I say was a deadline idea. The guy who was in charge of pitching this had a deadline, might have forgotten about it, and was like, crap, what do I... Um, origin story about Buzz Lightyear, huh? No, 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 not the toy. Not the toy. You know, like, in the universe, that toy is based off of someone. Why? It would not... the, it's the movie that Andy would have seen in the, mov- in the theaters is... that then made him want to go buy the, is it the movie? Buzz Lightyear action figure. Or is it, like, to get even more? Is As I understand it, it is an in-universe... Events. As I understand it, it is an in-the-universe of Toy Story. It is a movie. That we are watching the movie that. Oh, okay, so that's completely. I understood it as in the universe of Toy Story. There's an actual dude. (laughs) Yeah, that's a biopic. Like that. There's an actual dude in there who, you know, through his ambition or whatever, goes from being a janitor to being in space or something, and becomes a hit in the world, and they make toys of him. They're like aliens in the video game. That well, that was, I just thought that it was too. like the toy, and like cartoons, the TV show it's based on. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, like I, I'd rather okay. watch a movie about the cricket sheriff that the, the Woody toy is based on. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am sitting here thinking, well, if this does well, we're going to get Woody in 2024. No, we're going to get, you know what it's going to be called because it's Woody. It's going to be, there's a snake in my boot. <laughs> and it is going to be gritty. It's going to be gritty. There's going to be blood and violence. We're all watching it, though, right? Just to, like, confirm. We're all, all going to watch the gritty reboot, Buzz. Oh, oh 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe. They put a David Red, Bowie song in the trailer. Hopefully, we'll be able to buy booze at the movie theater by, by summer. Because That's fair. That's fair. That, that is cool. what I need to do. 9, 9 p.m. showing of Buzz on, like, a Tuesday, so I know I don't have kids in there. Get buzzed for Buzz. Say, like, 12 p.m., whatever. If they're serving beer, I'm there. That's fair. Uh, yeah, it's a, hi. Can I have one light year, please? Um, that special that you have that's the same cocktail, just a different uh, title for the movie I'm watching? Yes, one of those. Yeah, this is actually bottom shelf whiskey with the light beer poured into it. <laughs> it's the Buzz Light Beer. <laughs> You're just writing the Alamo Draft House's menu for them right now. Literally right now. Um,. But Turning Red, plan to watch it. I do feel bad for the animators and everyone working on it at Pixar who did want it as a, a wide release for their work to be showcased. Um, it does stink, but it makes sense. And I think until we see some change outside in the world that is not in the subject of entertainment, more so in the subject of medical and the pandemic, um, yeah, I think this is just going to probably be the same. We might see very similar stories to this of different studios or different groups within studios um, speaking about their disappointment. Um, so, speaking... Speaking of disappointment. Speaking <laughs> of disappointment, when I read this... Subscribe okay. now. You ready now? It has been announced that we are going to get a sequel to A Christmas Story titled A Christmas Story Christmas. Okay? Uh, terrible it is title. being directed Absolute by terrible title. <laughs> uh, it's a very terrible title. This is the first um, I've heard of the title. I'm sorry. That's the worst title they could have come up with. A Christmas Story Christmas. I guess they could have called it A Christmas Story Story. <laughs> that was the first one. That's the prequel. Wouldn't another Christmas story be? <laughs> no, see, I, actually, that, there's what it a good is, title. Is, it's a full movie about Red Rider. So that way we know the importance of the BB gun and why he must have the BB gun. And we're just going to call it Red. Unfortunately, there was already a Christmas Story 2, uh, which I believe was a, a direct-to-video yeah, uh, yeah, I believe 2014 so joint. Is that just not canon? Are they throwing that out? I guess. I think, yeah, I think they are. Um, Anybody come back in this second? Have you seen it? Have you seen it? No. I don't believe anybody came back. I was, I was looking at the cast. May, mm. Well, for here, they have Clay Katis, Katis directing. So he directed The Christmas Chronicles on Netflix, which I've heard. He's a fan of Christmas. Good. Yeah, but I've also heard, like, was enjoyable. I feel like it is difficult during this time to make, quote, Christmas movies because I think people are wanting to make a Christmas movie that ultimately plays 24 hours on a cable network at some point, the latest being Elf to be the most successful that I've seen. Um, but then what's interesting is uh, Nick Schneck is the writer and um, correlates very similar to his previous works, which was Clint Eastwood's 
Gran Torino. So there you go. That's who we're getting to pen this sequel. Um, and the mule, which I never saw, but yeah. It was terrible. And I believe Randy is returning. They haven't given out anything as far as plot outside of that they are hoping to recreate and capture the same magic that they did from the first movie, which I feel goes for any sequel that puts out. What if they were like, we, we are actively trying not to recreate or capture the magic of the first film. Our driving light is that this different. is going to be unrecognizable. That's Christmas Story 2 for what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what's, uh, in, what's funny is I watched... And then I know I don't know if any of you saw this on the advertisement. Eight Bit Christmas. I've seen the trailer. Uh, mm-hmm. it, was it was very enjoyable. Hmm. Neil Patrick Harris is great. Yeah, I mean I like Christmas crap too, so I'll probably get around to watching that. But a Christmas story sucks. <laughs> it gets way too much playtime for a terrible movie. Uh, I like Darren McGavin. And Zach Ward, who plays Scott Farkas, follows me on Twitter. So I mean, it doesn't suck that bad. He was good in it, whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, I, but the movie sucks. And I don't want to watch another one. The, the kid who plays the main guy, like, like is he an actor even? Like, is he one of the dudes who's uh, real estate produce... or something? I thought he was doing um, some producing and like, Are you talking about small directing work. Peter Billingsley? Yeah. Peter Billingsley was uh, part of the Mysterio crew in the last Spider-Man movie. Like, he's... He was! He was an Iron Man. He was the guy that Obadiah Stane was yelling at that Tony Stark could build that arc arc reactor in a cave with a box of scraps. That was the kid from uh, A Christmas Story. He's also an elf telling um, Will Ferrell that he's not a cotton-headed... Nitty Muffin? Ninny. Ninny Muffin. You're not a cotton-headed Ninny Muffin. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, all in all, I would still probably recast it <laughs> if I was going to do this. Would you, are you going to watch it, though? This, this, a Christmas Story Christmas. Only if Zach Ward is in it. And only if he listens and subscribes to our podcast. <laughs> Zach Ward, uh, reach out. Reach out. Uh, We'd love to have you on the let pod. Let us know that you are listening. Yeah. We'd love to have you on the pod it. to get your thoughts about this sequel. And we want to know, have they reached out to you? Is there possibly a character arc? Bully comes to his senses. You know? Yeah, yeah, can I mean, we at least he, know if, if your nose was broken after all? That, that His inclusion would only be enjoyable if he's like still a bully and we're, it's like oh no again or if it's uh, a misdirect where it's like oh no here it comes and it's like oh you know I'm a dentist now yeah. man I don't know what your problem is yeah. I'd like, I also like volunteer at the kids you know hospital when I can and dress up as a clown to make them laugh because I was just a terrible kid and yeah that's, Zach let us know if that's how they've pitched it to you we'll, we'll give you our professional opinion um, just come on to the pod um, last bit of news. Yeah, but uh, no, not looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, last bit of news. On a sad note, we do have a rest in peace to two amazing artists, Meat Loof, Meat Loof. Meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> 
Meatloaf, oh. and Lewis Anderson. Do you want to do you want to do like a fresh take? Um, rest in <laughs> peace to Meatloaf and Lewis Anderson. No, we can keep it because you know what? Both would want us all okay. to be laughing right now because that is what they did mm-hmm. in their life. Uh, they entertained us. They gave us laughter. Um, yeah, I, this was just. I, with Lewis Anderson, I remember seeing an article that he had was headed into the hospital Louis. and Louis, it's Louis Louis Anderson that he had headed into the hospital and that things weren't looking good. Um, so when it was announced that he had passed, it, yeah, it was sad, but it was also kind of like, oh shit, like in reference to that first article, kind of yeah. And then with Meatloaf, I. Kind of out of the blue. I didn't. I don't remember hearing anything about him and his health. But we'll also remember him as Bob. Or his name is Robert Paulson. Robert Paulson. Uh, I read a tweet that was. It's a bad day for both comedy and music, but a really good day for my theory that Louis Anderson and Meatloaf were the same guy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just saw Rocky Hard for the first time. Really. Yeah. It was. What good. prompted that? Yeah. Just curious. Uh, it's, it's my uncle's favorite movie. He died a year ago. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been on my plate for a while. Yeah. Uh, musicals aren't really my thing. I, I fucking love the time warp. And I, I hate the ending, but uh, overall the movie's good. Meatloaf is barely in yeah. it, really. And, uh, He's got one song where he just sings it out, and you remember how great his voice is. Yeah, and I really liked, like, to me, Meatloaf is from Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, where he plays Jack Black's dad for, like, one song. But Louis Anderson, I grew up watching the cartoon, like, that one season it was on and then like I've always held Louie in high esteem and when he died I was looking up clips from him playing the mother in baskets and his portrayal is so genuine and kind that and it reminded me of my own mom that I, I cried at these clips and, and just I really truly mourn that when a celebrity is gone, and it doesn't usually happen for me. Beautifully put. Thanks. Um, Producer James or Chris? No, couldn't say that better. Yeah, it was beautiful, man. Thanks. Uh, Take off my glasses and wipe away uh, this this thing in my eye. (laughs) Nothing to see here. Okay, so we're going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, but not necessarily the movie. We're going to talk about, it's been over a month since Spider-Man No Way Home hit theaters, and it was a massive hit. Uh, Nick, how much has it grossed worldwide to date? To date, it has grossed one billion, six hundred million plus. That's a lot of money. And producer James, you had said before we knew the exact number, you were like, Whatever the number is, it's a lot of money for a pandemic, which it is. Like, I I have a an article from Variety on my mm-hmm. uh, screen here from January 9th. Spider-Man: No Way Home stands 
as the eighth highest grossing movie in history. So this that's if it wasn't a pandemic it would probably be that's my that was my next question do you do you believe that because with a pandemic take the pandemic out we're during normal movie times like okay it's done there we go uh in normal movie times is this the top grossing film of all time yes no 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 it's it's so (laughs) successful because it's in the pandemic because people had such a pent-up demand to go see the same movie 14 times. Ooh, got a hot take from Chris Barlow. I like that theory. Couldn't watch it at home. You could watch everything else at home. There was nothing else in theaters this Christmas. That is fair. Outside of West Side, which was not a let's hit the box office, it was we need this in theaters to be eligible for awards. And Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Also not a lot of overlap, I feel like, in that that audience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love to see someone go into Spider-Man No Way Home and then immediately change and be a jet or shark and make their way into West Side. Um, Producer James, do you think this... I think it would at least get into the top three because if I remember correctly, it's... What's number one? Is Endgame number one right now? Because I... Avatar, Avatar, Endgame, right. Jurassic World. The the list I'm looking at has Avatar, Endgame, Titanic. Titanic. Still? The Force Awakens, Infinity War, and then Spider-Man wow. No Way Home. Yeah, I do think Spider-Man No Way Home at least gets into that top five. Um, and also, geez, man, I just remember... and. I will. I count as one of them because I'm. I know I went with my mom twice for sure. She dragged me along to Titanic when that released. The amount of people watching Titanic over and over, and that was a long movie. My God, James Cameron had an intermission. Uh, well, the Chris with nothing else in theaters during the pandemic. No Way Home has been the talk of the town. And so much so that it's continued to be the talk of the town going into January, February, which is typically when we start talking about award seasons. Um, And they are campaigning this movie for all eligible. So from what I've seen, they are trying to campaign for Best Picture, obviously, but they would love to get Tom Holland in there for Best Actor, William Dafoe for Best Supporting, and Best Direction. Um, When I'm blanking on the director... um, John Watts. Now, in y'all's opinion, does it deserve any of this? Because I would say the outside of the visuals, maybe because of 2021 not being the strongest on movies in theaters, it could contend into Best Picture because it is up to 10 nominations when it comes to the Oscars. Um, And I don't know if I can even name 10 movies that came out in 2021. But as far as for the acting and all that, I, I don't know. Visually, yes, so many. Um, maybe Defoe would be a little bit because of he just got to jump on the acting portrayal he was doing in Spider-Man One, and in MCU things are as far as acting and villain villains are a little more grounded, so they can flesh that out more. Um, but what do y'all think? Does this movie deserve any sort of award recognition? Outside of, I would say, the visuals and what we would expect from Marvel movies. Well, I think it ruled. I, I, I don't really think it 
should get any acting awards. Okay. Yeah, just I don't think Willem Dafoe got enough to do to warrant a nomination. He was definitely the the one who should be getting one if there was one. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll campaign. I just, I agree with you. I don't know if there's anything like, I don't blame them. They're taking advantage of a year where there might not be a whole lot of strong movies and categories, but I think there is, as far as in the acting categories, I do think there is enough performances out there that this still is an outside looking in for those nominations. Barlow, just from someone who's Mm -hmm. actively in the Twittersphere, and seeing all the stuff, what do you think as far as Spider-Man and other performances that you've seen? I mean, if Willem Dafoe couldn't get an Oscar for The Florida Project, uh, I don't know why he would get an Oscar for Spider-Man. The Academy would really be out on a limb there. They don't want to give awards to the Marvel Universe. They, that, that's what they have the special effects award for, is to go, yes, that, that is, sure, uh-huh. But they don't want to reward Disney. <laughs> we don't understand how that works and how you did it, but good for you. You did it. Mm-hmm. Now, please, let us go give an award to this other white actor and actress. I'm saying Willem Dafoe should have an he Oscar. Should. But yeah. this isn't it. But not necessarily. This shouldn't be a makeup nomination for him. Yeah, if they give him this, it's really because they passed him over four times. That's fair. I will say I do think people who might not have seen some of William Defoe's work as of recently was reminded how amazing of an actor he is um, with what he was given within No Way Home. But Nick, I agree with you. It was not enough where we, it was not enough more past the typical checking in with this villain where they are right now. The typical arc we see with villains um, can go either way they're either more sinister and they're just the ultimate like baddie that the hero has to defeat or you know we get the infinity wars where my god do i agree with this person and there's something like that um but producer james any thoughts into a month later no way home Are you pro thanos let's not do this right now <laughs> let's not i'm not i i didn't say that I just said those are the questions that people were questioning. No, I'm not pro-universal genocide, okay? Well, good. Yeah, I'm glad you have that on record now. (laughs) You you, you get mad at me for Thanos, yet when I throw some shade to the tracksuit mafia, you just go crazy. How many people did they kill? They've killed people. That's it. How do you know? That's it. They've killed people. How do, how do you know? How do you know? Sure, sure seemed like a money yeah, kinda, laundering operation. Kind of seemed like it was uh, required in the job description or preferred work experience. I didn't see kill one person. People. Didn't see a single person get killed in Traction Mafia. Not even passersby in you know a car what? chase. You know what, Nick? I, I believe producer James was about to tell us, you know, his thoughts on No Way Home. Okay, we don't have to, we don't have to get into the villains and who's a villain and who's not. Tracksuit Mafia definitely is. Anyway, can we give Willem Dafoe an Oscar for The Lighthouse? That's what I want to give. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was badass. Yes, it wasn't from this year, but but, uh, but still, still, we have decided. 
in these unprecedented times to give unprecedented awards? Please, the Academy realized the movies came out this year. We're that good. We're just going to pick and choose the last couple of years or so. No, the Academy is going to be like the modern day viewer. Yes, I understand that this movie came out years ago, but I only just watched it right now. And now it is my current obsession. So you must go along with me. Exactly. Month later, and uh, Chris, I would love to get your take onto it. Who is Juan, the all-out fallout from Spider-Man? Because I'm going to argue that it is Andrew Garfield. Because people are remembering how they loved him as a Spider-Man. They're just remembering that they love him. And then in addition to that, he deserves an Oscar for the acting he did on his press tour for Tick, Tick, Boom and all the Spider-Man questions that he dodged left and right. Uh, great job. Also, if you've not seen Tick, Tick, Boom, please watch it. It wrecked the shit out of me. I didn't give that consent to, but it did, and I love it. <clears throat> and Andrew Garfield's amazing. But that is my pick. Andrew Garfield for the win of benefiting the most of the No Way Home fallout. What about you all? No, it's Willem Dafoe. <laughs> the right answer is always Willem Dafoe. <laughs> this is fair. Uh yeah, I mean, the amount of love that he got of all different types, people with the memes to people with his GQ photos. I gotta go Garfield, but Defoe's also getting it. I mean, I, I wish the other villains would be getting love out of this. Jamie Foxx has gotten it's, shit. Nothing. Which is kind of shocking. It's Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Shocking. Alfred Molina and Thomas Hayden Church. You know, he was a, you know, a, a cartoon blob the whole time. He, he, he did a little bit of work, enough to where people should be like, oh, yeah, he's all right, too. <laughs> that cartoon blob kind of looked like Thomas Hayden Church sometimes. Yeah. Um... But uh, but Garfield, I mean, for, for having... Two like not good movies. There's <laughs> a lot of a lot of payoff that that really worked out. And he, he he did a little work and, and made a worthy story arc to complete here from the shamblings of those previous two movies, and it, and it worked out. He also seemed like he had a lot of fun. Like he genuinely seemed like he was having so much fun in that. Yeah. Producer James, who's your winner? I mean, I, I feel like Andrew Garfield of everyone on the cast is having a, a particular moment right now. Yeah. Like, I think uh, either last night or night before last, we watched uh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, in which he plays uh, Jim Baker, a televangelist, and uh, was, was engaging for uh, the bits that he was in that movie. Uh, he's he's showing up in things I think more than Tobey Maguire is uh, at the moment. Andrew, come onto the pod. We love you here. All right, we're gonna switch gears over to the TV. Nick, do you want to stay for this? Or are you gonna? I got to right, my man. But I'm just gonna say, Yellow Jackets. What a show. Just just repeat that over 
anytime you want to come back. We're going to pop that in yeah. here and there. Yeah. I'm going to clip it. Yeah. Yellow Jackets. So really quickly, I started watching this TV show about episode three and got hooked. And I learned that James started watching this TV show um, because I kind of like... Yeah, I started I at that. one. I discovered James watches this TV show. And then the following week, I discover you watch this TV show, Chris. Yes. And then it was like... Although well, I didn't start until like episode five. Well, now I was just like, okay, well then... I was a late bloomer with Yellow Jackets. Let's talk about Yellow Jackets. Um... Okay, James, you were I mean, it's off. the only thing I ever want to talk about. I, so this is... <laughs> okay. This show, and this is one of the first points that I brought up. This show has... It's hitting, but when I talk to people, they are like, I haven't checked it out yet, or it's on my list. So I'm predicting within the next month or so, we will get the, oh my God, have you seen this show? Because it's either going to get released on Netflix or something to that. Like, whenever this hits the binge streaming service like I don't think it's going to You don't to. think it's going to so you think this is just going to be one I that think flies under the radar is, No, I think Showtime is aware of the buzz and if you want to watch Yellow Jackets, you can pay for That's Showtime. Fair. I mean, it's it is smart. One thing that was smart that they did is they released the entire first episode on YouTube on their YouTube channel and it is a great first episode with the pilot, um, the opening. Um, the only thing I wish they kept from the first episode, which they seemed they had the f- t- the f- first couple going on, is they had no title sequence, which I digged the shit out of. It was just yellow jackets and then jumping into it. And I expected that, but after a bit, we did get a title sequence, which is fine. I like the title sequence. The title sequence. sequence is great. I, just I also really like the title sequence. the saving of um, an extra minute and... 20 seconds each episode, you know, just give me a little, whatever. I'm, I'm a sucker for no title sequence and just like the title coming into the title card coming into play, either just there. Or if you've ever seen the show Atlanta, the way they do their title sequence built into each scene, very brilliant, highly recommend, but yeah, no, the title sequence is good. The casting is what, in my opinion, shines. Yeah. Do y'all have any favorites? I mean, Shauna. Sha- the answer is Adult Shauna. or b- younger? Adult, adult Shauna. Shauna. I mean, adult Shauna's... Young Shauna, also great, but adult Shauna is the star of the show. She's fantastic. Melanie Linsky, amazing. What was interesting to me is the last thing I saw her in was Castle Rock. So getting to see her again in a sort of spooky television show type, I was already hooked. I was like, oh... Fuck yes. But then just seeing, she is so, this character, adult Shauna, doesn't express, has a wide range of emotions, yet doesn't fully express them, yet we get each one. And it's kind of a little eerie how, like, moments where, for example, if you haven't seen Yellow Jackets also, just stop. We're about to spoil the shit out of any aspect to it, and we are not going to hold back. Um we should probably put a spoiler warning <laughs> earlier in the podcast. But later in the season when she's chopping up her lover and she asks, like, hey, do you remember how uh-huh. to do this? She's like, yeah, it's just like riding a fucked up bicycle. And it's just like a, yeah, just just like riding a bike, you know, cutting pe- humans up. 
in the correct manner. Um, oh, yeah. Did you know she's a vegetarian? <laughs> no. Melanie Linsky. And for the uh, rabbit that she cuts up in like the, the yeah. first episode, they, they made her like a prop rabbit corpse. Wow. It's hmm. a really good mm-hmm. prop rabbit corpse. So I know. It looks really good. The props master. Great job. Chris, what else are you loving or, like, what, yeah, with Yellow Jackets, what's the first thing, like, off your mind that you got to tell people about with this show? Or what stands out? The first thing, they, the, the, you lead with the cannibalism because that's what gets people hooked. The first thing is they're going to eat each other. We know they're eating someone from the very from the beginning very of the beginning. show. But by the end of the season... Not just are they not eating the person you thought they were going to eat, but them eating a person is the least important detail. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. The, um, yeah. It's rare that a show hooks you with cannibalism in, in order to uh, get you emotionally invested in the character arcs instead. Um, I... This also gives me a lot of Stranger Things vibe-esque, even though it is in the 90s compared to Stranger Things in the 80s. Um, and this is definitely more adult-themed. But mm-hmm. if I was to take, like, if you were to tell me to take Stranger Things and we want to just see that more, Stranger Things is a PG-13 version. We want to kind of see the rated R version of that. Um, I feel like Yellow Jackets has a little bit of those aspects of essentially high school characters were following them, dealing into adult themes, dealing into situations that are very like, what do you do in that moment? Flipping to seeing an adult side of a story. Now in this, in Stranger Things, the adult side of the story is different characters altogether telling it, but in this one it is the adult versions of the survivors of the plane crash of the team. but I love it. I didn't know. I part of me wanted to just have a series about everything that happens from the plane crash on there. I don't care if it's like a boring day. I would love to just observe to see the slow like going from having some hope that we'll be saved to cannibalism and that whole. And not only just like cannibalism to eat. It looks like they believe in like ritual cannibalism. And mm-hmm. how is that set up? How is that's that's what season two is going to be. That's my prediction. Well, season two is going to explain why. Why is she eating dirt? Because because uh, what's her name? Lottie. The uh, the girl Lottie. who yes, uh, Lottie, ap- apparently has uh, a cult in the, uh-huh. in the modern day. And also, she's schizophrenic, which uh... <laughs> the, we only see her taking medicine. But we had to like uh, Becky googled what that medicine was just to see like you know who takes that and it is for help with schizophrenia but i don't remember them mentioning anything into that there were a a number of establishing shots uh before they left on the trip of her getting her morning medicine and when they crashed it was a big thing of her making sure she found her medicine uh and now that she's stopped taking her medicine, begins seeing so visions kind of, of rotting stags running through the... Yeah, I, I assume 
this is her her schizophrenia manifesting and unfortunately uh the the christian girl convinced her that this is actually happening and these are visions from god and I'm sure bad things will come it's from It's interesting that. because they did do the establishing shots, but they never outright said this is schizophrenia. Kind of like we know our audience. We know our audience loves details, or if there's details that we're unsure of, they themselves will uncover it. I wonder if that's like a, they just assumed the audience of the universe will uncover this is schizophrenia. Um, we can leave some breadcrumbs, but we're not going to blatantly put it out there. Um, I assume that the other girls don't know, and that's the position we're to be put in as well, where if you're watching closely, you can kind of piece some details together. But the, if, if they hit us over the head with it, either the girls would know and it would change whether or not they believe her, um, or we would be screaming at the TV every week, don't listen to her, she has schizophrenia. Yeah. And instead, it's in a place where, oh, yeah, uh, I see what's happening, but I don't feel like uh, I'm not frustrated that I, that they don't know. You know, I, I, it's a, a tricky line to walk when you have, like, a, a big character detail like that. Uh, and it's much better that we have the, the breadcrumbs than randomly in season two we find out out of the blue, you know? That's fair. And speaking of, We've been introduced to adult Shauna, Thaisa, Misty, and um, Natalie. Natalie. It's been insinuated that there is an adult Lottie still. Mm-hmm. So I ask you, the only one that we know that has, didn't make it back outside of the people who crashed after the fact were Jackie and then the, um, oh, I forgot her name. Laura Lee with the plane crash. So Jackie and Laura Lee. Everything else, they kind of made you seem like they just, they died. We know people died and got eaten, like you said, from the opening. We know someone is going to get eaten. Um, but before I share the theory that you had, Chris, who do you think else survived the crash that we'll be introduced to in season two? We also know that Travis survived, so we know that he comes because, you know, it's outlined that he killed himself and it was pretty much that's what he did up until the last moment now it's like did he or did this cult have something to Mm -hmm. do with it um who if you had to pick one person that we haven't been introduced to yet that has survived who would you say it is i really hope it's coach ben i assume they're going to eat him but i think it would be way more interesting if he's alive yeah that was my pick too which was would be coach ben because if he's alive, it means he was complicit in the people they ate. But if they eat him, he's not complicit. It's I, I really I he's the most interesting non-core character, you yeah. know. Uh, and partly, you know, I don't want to see him go. I love he's, him. He's, he's so great. he's so genuine. Yeah, he's very genuine. I agree with you on that. Um, there's signs pointing that he just doesn't morally mo- make it out, like he would say something. Yeah. But also, he didn't prevent them from having Jackie outside. Nope. Like, 
and so this could be the the beginning of his you know you're not an adult uh, of corruption producer james I'm keeping my fingers crossed that Van survives. Yeah. Just because I, I... The fact that she survived mm-hmm. the wolf attack and being set on fire... Uh, and her scars are pretty badass. Yeah, they now. are pretty badass. Yeah. So I only remember this because I was re-watching this and getting my mom into it over the break. Her mom is an alcoholic. Like, she does not come from a good household. So I was also very excited, like, because we've already had two incidents where we think Van is dead. Um, so I don't know if they're going to do us in for a third time's a charm type of shit. But it would be interesting if she's alive and there's a reason that she's not together with Thaisa uh, anymore. Whether she's still a part of the cult because I, I, I do believe adult Misty is still a part of the cult somehow. Hmm. That's an interesting prediction. Because well, we see at the end, it's hmm. Van, Lottie, and Misty bowing to that fucking throne in the middle of the woods. Um, and I don't know. Was it you, Chris, I was talking with? Or it might have been Lewis, but... Um, Essentially, and take over if this is, was yours. Someone was saying that in the beginning, when the girl's running and we see them eat someone, that it's not, and they're in the yellow jackets, and it's, it was meant to be Jackie, that it's actually adult Shauna's daughter. And what we are seeing is modern, after the crash, them still practicing what they were practicing there because we do remember that adult Shauna's daughter does steal the uniform and she sees her at the rave in the uniform. We know that Shauna has the necklace that Jackie gave. So is it possible that she takes the yellow jackets, takes that as well or something? And yeah, it it was a a theory and a misdirection. Someone was also uh, talking to me and theorizing with the eating of the dirt, um, mm-hmm. with Taisa uh, eating dirt. That there's a condition where it can someone I forgot what, but essentially one of the causes to something to that could be iron deficiency. And if you go back and when the one time we saw adult Shana eat like the audience eating dirt. It was after that event where she had said, I haven't eaten anything. And she was just having drinks and she was just having the cigarettes. Just a, just a yeah. thought. Because it didn't happen after they had the bear and after they had all the stuff. So, I... Adult Thais's twist at the end of the season is interesting. Yes. Even if we kind of saw it coming, that she is the scary woman in the tree. Um uh, what's interesting is that she's clearly unaware of it. Maybe she is I aware like of it, is... and maybe she's hiding it from everyone, but I, the the read that I, I've gotten from that actress is that she doesn't know. See, the read I got is she does know, and she's worried now that her child knows because of all the drawings and everything. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is when... Um, when her wife discovers that, like, secret compartment and room... It's the head of the dog that went missing. 
which she had even yep. s- was said like she doesn't know like she was worried that she did something when she was sleepwalking like let him out um, yeah hmm. and then the doll that was the weird thing because yeah. the the little boy her son also seems to be having something something's up going there's on. something going on although it's hard to tell because he is completely right about yes everything that he's seen that that's a lot of misdirection for part of the season where we really think like there's like two big misdirections in the adult plots and the, the obvious one is shauna uh and her lover who just turns out to be a dumbass artist who was just after yeah, all interested and just yes, a, he a, just a big flirt yes who knew who knew people would but, actually but, flirt and then get curious um uh, but the the other one was how they really got us going that there's something wrong with Thais's son. And now I'm not so sure there's something wrong with Thais's son that isn't Thaisa. He might just be traumatized. And, like, we're yeah. genuinely seeing trauma yeah. into him and in his, his brain. Um, it's interesting. One aspect as far as that arc-wise that I did enjoy that I didn't expect to was the fallout, or not the fallout, there I go, the aftermath of Jeff finding out and actually us discovering mm-hmm. that Jeff loves Shauna, that it's not just a, you came back and I married you because we had all this. Like It was like kind of projected that if Jackie had come back, Jeff would have ended up with her. And as it you know, shows that, it shows that progression of what I had with Jackie was high school fun love. I fell in love with you. In addition to that, we discovered that he knew everything that happened over there, accepted it, but never pried. And everything else has still been the same. Even after the he finds out that she had an affair, he's like, this all makes sense. Yeah, their relationship is now very interesting. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the way that they spent a season giving us those breadcrumbs showing us hey he doesn't actually have a database problem at the store he he's definitely fucking around behind your back and she follows him and sees what she perceives as evidence to the fact that he is unfaithful and in that uh moment where everything is sort of brought to light they have a real heart-to-heart kind of cards on the table conversation uh, it is revealed that no, he's he just got in bad with some loan sharks, uh, yeah. trying to keep stuff afloat. Um, I do appreciate also at the reunion where she sees Randy, and she just kind of is upset at him, yeah. but ends it with, "You're a good friend." <laughs> Genuine saying like, "I am fucking mad at you. I can't be mad at Jeff, so I'm going to be mad at you." All this stuff, but at the end of it, you went in with your friend who needed help. You're a good friend for that, like acknowledging that that is you know what still a very good like loyal you being there for it move i don't agree with it um it felt that all felt very like realistic and adult like if someone felt like her finding out that her own husband was blackmailing the reason behind it like and getting mad like you you dumbass type of thing i feel like they could have easily blown it up where we would have started going down the divorce route and all this stuff, but it made it so much interesting to see them be to the occasion of, great, so how do we figure this out? Because now then we add the aspect of her daughter coming home and being like, wait a second. Uh Uh-huh. Like, oh no, 
dad's not going to know that the dude that mom was fucking is dead now. And on the flip side being like, I know everything. Um, I, I, it, it wouldn't shock me if Shauna kills her daughter. Here we go. Just that could be her daughter. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, th- th- that is definitely a thing that I will think about in the long wait for season yeah. two. Because, like, there's no other, like, oh, did they just switch the identity and all that? Um, what's also interesting is they've only highlighted Jackie's death and not Laura Lee. And what... Yeah, poor Laura yeah. Lee. She she almost seemed like she was going to get a big episode and, and an interesting backstory, and then she just exploded. Yep. Just, just And that's where it went. In, her bear killed her. Makes me think, like, yeah, yeah like, we, we don't know how many people made it back. And I'm very, like, just Yellow Jackets, please, please don't pull a Lost and have a season three end where they get rescued, and season four is us seeing them in the real world and the struggles, okay? No. And then they have to go back yep. to the woods. <laughs> No, they've set up that they're going to be there. We have to go back, Shauna. They're going to be there like 18 months. I I think the show is fully committed to, you know, we're telling the story of them there, and it'll end when they get out. So before... I could, then again, it's Showtime, and Showtime loves to beat a dead horse, oh so I don't know. Like, please don't. Learn from your past mistakes. Then, 10 years after it ends, we'll get a, a new ending where they'll they'll bring them back for Yellow Jacket's new blood mm-hmm. because everyone was so angry at the end the of the original. But they're eating yeah, animals, yeah, yeah, yeah. not themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, Nick would tell you that Sundays mm-hmm. used to be all around Dexter. We'd, we'd be going out doing mm-hmm. our stuff, and then we'd end up at my place. And that was literally consistent for years. Yellow Jackets. What a show. I think Yellow Jackets benefited from the timing around uh, Dexter New Blood because I think a lot of people who maybe either were not paying for Showtime or had Showtime but weren't thinking of it uh, came back for Dexter. And they and then, well, what else is on here? I've heard of this Yellow Jackets. Oh, my God, it's so good. I mean, in my opinion, and I... To be honest, I this isn't based in this is only based in my own perceived reality because I don't know how it looked. I don't know how the advertisement for Yellow Jackets going in was, but it did seem like they were highlighting more of you know Adult Shauna, Christina Ritchie, Juliet Lewis, like both of them being stars from the '90s coming back, dealing with a show that yeah. subject matter is girls in the '90s. Um, but we didn't really get too much of the actual girls themselves, and that has been. All those girls are fantastic. Like, we knew Christina, Christina Ritchie is in also, a, I want to talk about that, a whole different category as to, like, what she's bringing to the show. But as an ensemble, it's fantastic. Um, but all that, Adult Misty, Christina, Christina Ritchie, if there's one person that I do think needs to get highlighted for her performance, it's Christina Ritchie for that. Uh, well, of course, I everybody, everybody feels love that love everything. The whole universe feels that way, whether they've seen Yellow Jackets or not. Um, but also, Young Misty as well. Young Misty being like the foundation of us mm-hmm. show of showing who this character is. Christina Ritchie just embodying it, and, and 
being that character once that character has accepted who they are. We're seeing with Misty. Misty has like the knowledge up here, like a an adult thinker, but it hasn't hit fully yet into her confidence, into everything. She's still stumbling around, figuring it out like a teenager, but there are those moments, hence once the plane crashes, where that adult mindset does kind of kick in. She is incredibly uh, competent. Yes. Mm-hmm. I took the, uh, what is it, the first aid babysitter uh, twice. Yeah. I just want to shout out the, like, the ensemble uh, as a whole, especially, though, the pairs of actresses playing the same character and the ways in which... I, I'm curious how much time they spent together working on things because once or twice I found myself, like, catching, oh, that's that's a mannerism or, or something that I saw the other actress yes. do in an earlier episode. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good... good uh, doing impressions of the same character from two angles. Agreed. Yeah. Natalie. Natalie, young Natalie and Juliet Lewis just, it's great with that. And then, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It'd be interesting if we find out that they didn't get to spend too much time. That would be a little, ir- I, they had to, because I, I agree with you. It's n- I, I wonder, because they, they obviously are shooting in completely mm-hmm. different locations. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there was COVID protocols too. I, I imagine they didn't spend a lot of time together. I wonder where they're shooting. Mm. It feels like it's somewhere in like up in Canada. I feel that's where it takes place. Like the woods. Yeah. Yep. Van, uh, Van, they're fil- so the pilot Vancouver. was filmed. Part of the pilot filmed in Los Angeles. Um, that has to be some of like the near the school shots or something to that. And right. then Vancouver. Tofu rating for Yellow Jackets season one. Um, I'm trying to think if there's like that one filler episode, but no, I can't really think of one. I think this is a five tofu rating for me. This is a great first season. Performances all around were fantastic. The story never felt like it lagged. It had a good, consistent pace. It did feel like they got across what they wanted to, leaving you with just the right amount for next week, which is kind of not a lot of shows do that properly in this day and age where it's all released at once. Um, yeah, every every episode felt like 15 I, minutes. Like, the credits yeah. start rolling. You're like, oh, shit, what? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I, I agree. I agree. But I am going to say four and a half because they did Sarah Lee wrong. <laughs> Justice for Sarah or Lee. Or Laura Lee. <laughs> Correct. I'm hungry and thinking of the snack cake. Justice for Laura Lee. <laughs> <sighs> I'm telling you, if it wasn't, if it doesn't come off as insensitive, you can leave in Meatloaf. <laughs> I, I think I, I just may. We'll, we'll see how it sounds. Uh, uh, <laughs> justice for Laura Lee and Sarah Lee. Producer James, what's your tofu rating? Uh, I was, before Chris said four and a half, I was similarly thinking four and a half. Uh, not specifically for Laura Lee's uh, explosive ending, but uh, 
as a, a like I'm excited to see where it goes from here and I don't know, I don't know if I have a thing to, to bring it down uh, a notch, but I'm I'm it's theirs to lose from here, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of the show. I agree with you. It's it's you can lose me now. But I will be tuning in. Um We've we've come to the end. It's it's goodbyes time. Sad. Yeah. I feel like the end of the season of Yellow Jackets where I didn't want it to ever Someone end. kicks in your door and four people in matching jumpsuits grab you and drag you out. That's correct. That's what I meant. That's, that, that's you what guys are about to come drag yeah, me out, right? They'll be here in three, two. <laughs> All right. Chris, thanks for coming on once again. Thank you. Um, you probably join us more for more TV. I think we're just calling this now TV with Chris. <laughs> hey, I love, I love TV. Chris love TV. Um, please remember to like and subscribe the podcast. If you have any feedback for us, please leave us a review. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. If you have any feedback for us, want to get a hold of us, shoot us an email at emails at johnsmostlymoviepodcast.com. Stay tuned for updates. We're going to probably be, be, you know, no spoilers, might be having some new things for you users and I don't, yeah. Users? That's... (laughs) Users, listeners, people. Maybe I'm hungry too. Consumers. Maybe Sarah Lee's calling my name. If you are curious to hear about what things are to come, you can follow us on Twitter, J-O-N underscore podcast. Uh, That's the one. That's the one. If you want to listen for more Chris, please... Chris, where can they find you? You can subscribe to my newsletter at byobnews.wtf. That is correct. It is .wtf. Isn't it always? Affirmative. Affirmative. All right, y'all. Buzz, buzz. Lightyear. Have a good one. (laughs) All right, I just want to look up one thing on spider-man i just want to see as of <coughs> excuse me as it stands right now what its box office gross has been so that way i can get you the accurate numbers so too much <laughs> too many people have seen spider-man much. no way so home. much money there it has earned too much money for it to be That's a pandemic very accurate everybody stop going to see spider-man stop it yeah, buy a ticket and then pirate it from home. Yeah, it's grossed one billion, one billion six hundred million plus. That's gonna be my ransom demand. Um, cool. All right. One billion six hundred million plus. I'm gonna cut to you then. Or how much it's made. <laughs> Yellow Jackets. What a show. I'm so hungover. <laughs>